Welcome to episode 39 of the Mountain Outpost podcast. I'm your co-host, Jam Jam Jamil Curry, here with Skizzlefresh Skylar Hall. Hopefully you can hear me this evening. How are we doing? Oh, that directed at me. Yeah, doing, exactly. Yeah. Or anyone else out there. But yes, how are, how are you? Yeah, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, back uh, back in the Bay Area after the travel down to San Diego this weekend. So uh legs are still in one piece my heart did not explode uh even though i was riding vo2 max for like 40 minutes there apparently so um very very fun data uh in the strava but yeah man all, all things are great especially because the niners also won yesterday and we're going to the playoffs after i, I honestly thought my heart couldn't take anymore after the race on saturday and then they put me through absolute hell and then clay came back so there's like a good weekend of sports overall but we're here on a special monday edition because that's that's what we do we got to give the people what they want that's are, right are solid man yeah we're yeah. trying How to you know? uh, i'm good we're trying to keep it uh keep it rolling you know week in week out so feels good to get it done on a monday no worries uh should be good yeah but i'm good i had um one of my i guess like a my first like vert heavy training runs yesterday, long run, uh, just right from my house in the Phoenix mountains and, uh, was joined by none other than Courtney DeWalter, uh, hey. and Kevin and, uh, and Paul who was in town. So it was a good time out there. So, uh, we were running up like the backside of Dixie peak and that was pretty tough. And, uh, yeah, it was a good day. We got in about 23 miles with 7,000 feet of climbing. So I was totally trashed after that yesterday, like completely (laughs) spent. And, uh, it was definitely warmer, um, warmer of a day than we thought it was going to be here in Phoenix. Uh, started out a little chilly, but it, it got hot. I mean, we're think I'm, I'm trying to think through your training off the top of my head. I feel like that run had probably more vert than you've done in any given week as of late. I feel like it's a fair approximation. I mean, we're talking about you were doing speed work on the canal <laughs> a few weeks ago. So, uh, you so might, you might be right. I can check real quick. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I cool. think my highest week was 6,400. Uh, yeah. And I had one that was 6,000 that included that cave Creek thriller race that I ran. So, yeah, in one day, more than I've done in any week so far in this build. Um, yeah, and that was a 73-mile week for me. So we're starting to get there. Consistency is the name of the game, boss. And That's right. We are, we're, we're finally seeing you. Like, I think, actually, in, in terms of the life cycle of this podcast, this is the most consecutive weeks you've actually ran. 
Yeah. I think we, we can officially say that like this is the most consistent training that you, has ever been accomplished. Oh, and if this wow. podcast was like four years old, it would also ring true, I think. <laughs> I don't think I've it's been this possible. I don't think I've strung together eight weeks of of like running six to seven days a week in a lot of years. Quite sad. I feel that. Yeah. It's okay. This is new year. Yeah. New you. New us. Hey, I'm that's right. I'm on the train too. Yeah, I didn't even uh, wait for the new year. I got it started in what November. So we're correct. We were preparing to be strong, and here we are. Well, much like folks who race this weekend that we'll be recapping soon, you you can't just show up on January first and be like, I'm going to start training now because races are already happening. So it's important that you know we we carried that that uh I don't know that momentum. We started some momentum. We got the ball rolling. We started the snowball developing that little avalanche so that by the time we got to January in a position where it's like, oh, this is sizable and it's rolling downhill and it's just going to keep going. That's that is inertia at work. So absolutely. Well, if you are new to this podcast, I'll kind of take a step back real quick. Um, we are going to be talking about a couple big topics in the ultra running world and uh, more of the road track cross country flatter world. Uh, not to say ultra running can also be flat because it can, uh, and oftentimes it is great when it is. Um, but we're going to be recapping some of the stop, the yeah, the top stories of the week, and uh, you know what's happening in the sport of running from a holistic picture. Uh, here we are, January tenth, twenty twenty two. So uh, we're definitely going to touch on uh, the first golden ticket race of twenty twenty two that is building towards the Western States 100 that happened this last weekend in Texas. We're going to be talking about the FKT or fastest known time of the year, top 10 for men and women. And we're going to talk about what the NCAA or no, this is just the cross. You got to tell me what it was. The cross country nationals. <laughs> I can't yes, keep USATF, up. Thank you. Cross country nationals, uh, U20, open and masters uh and then we will take a look forward uh because students are back in class which means indoor track is hitting full swing uh and we also have a pretty major uh road event this weekend down in houston between uh, the chevron aramco uh, half marathon and full marathon typically some of the fastest racing we see here on u.s soil so things are going it's it's full full tilt here in January, uh, and we're here to cover it all, give our thoughts, feelings, emotions, pontificate, relate. Yep, exactly. Whatever. So if you guys yeah. have questions for us relating to any of those topics or anything you want to know, period, uh, drop them in the comments. We're live on YouTube. Of course, you can catch this on the Steep Life Media uh, podcast channels, wherever you like to listen. So uh, where should we start? Should we start with the golden ticket race that uh, went down this weekend? Well, before we even get there, oh, yeah. I think we have to talk about sort of the big thing that I literally had folks who don't even run messaging me about, which was the further lowering of the 100-mile world record and the 12-hour world record. Yeah. Uh, you actually already did a podcast on the Air Viper Running uh, YouTube page and also in the Steep Life Media Podcast Network uh, with your brother and the American record holder at 24 hours. Uh, but, dude, who that record was untouchable. 
And then all of a sudden <laughs> he breaks it. And then he's like, you know what? Hold my beer. I'm going to take another 20 something minutes off of it in just like six months time. What the hell is happening <laughs> in Europe? Please explain. For, uh, yeah. Help, help me understand yeah, what is happening in this flat, this flat time distance. Yeah, if you want the full breakdown, uh, Nick and I, Nick is a lot more knowledgeable than I am, um, but he, we were talking about a little bit of who Alexander Sorokin is. He is from Lithuania, uh, but at the Spartanian race in Israel, which is used as a qualifier for the Spartathlon, uh, he went out there to set out to break his 12-hour world record. He, of course, shocked the world last August when he broke Giannis Koros's unbreakable 24-hour world best with 192 or 193 miles. So he pushed that about five miles further than Giannis. Um, but he also had earlier come onto the radar by setting the 100-mile world record. He broke Zach Bitter's best uh, by five minutes. So he ran an 11.14 last year and apparently wasn't done uh, because he came out here and, I mean... He was really going after this 12-hour, but in route, broke the 100-mile again by a massive margin. I don't even think they had an official split at the 100-mile mark. But, like, the next loop around, which was long, it was, like, maybe five more minutes past the 100-mile mark. He ran 10 hours, 51 minutes. So it's it's under that time, possibly as low as 1046 400 miles. Uh, and of course, Nick Nick thinks it could go quite a bit lower. That's his pontification about that. Um, you know, he... Sorokin's been training uh, exclusively for this event, like this kind of distance and range for quite some time. And uh, I guess he's now sponsored by Nike, so he can train full-time. So I think that's... Whereas last year, he wasn't a full-time athlete. Now you're seeing... I guess maybe even the beginning of what he can do as a full-time athlete, which is ridiculous. He was training in Kenya prior to this event and, you know, putting in 130 to 180 mile weeks. He's doing weight training, uh, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. 12. It's just, it's, just, it's baffling how someone can just cruise so comfortably, uh, and then still ratchet it down at the end there. So it'll be interesting to see what's next on his his target list. Uh, without a world championships coming for, isn't it like fall 2023? He's got some time to either really hone in and prepare. That would be a massive training block, I guess. Uh, or he might take out some stuff between now and then. Who knows? 48 hour just for fun because his like tempo pace at this point would probably break the record. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what comes down the pipeline. Uh, and yeah, Nick did a great job uh, with a ton of insight and, and thought and just like, you know, you know, the data nerd that he is uh, really, really came to the fore. So uh, if you, if you're looking for a deep dive on someone from some people in the know, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out uh, Jamil and Nick's conversation about that. Um, so yeah, that, that blew up. Uh, the the world and then we come back stateside for bandera where folks had a, a bit trickier of a time because there's actually rocks and trails and things like that down in texas uh and not everybody got to the finish line but those who did uh definitely were vying for those golden tickets so sir it's your world what went down 
on the main trails of Tejas. Yeah, I've never been out to this race, so it's a little tough. It's always tough to wrap your head around, you know, exactly what these runners are going through out there uh, without seeing it. But um, yeah, we saw um, golden tickets go to Marianne Hogan uh, on the women's side, and she pretty much led from the start and was way out front, uh, even from the the first loop. So there's not a ton of info. Uh, this race is, I guess, pretty far out there, not a lot of uh, reception to get updates out. So we basically had a split time uh, at 50K and a split time at the finish line. And what happened in between, you know, maybe we'll hear some podcasts from some of these folks at some point. But uh, she led wire to wire one in f- uh, 9.17. And solid run. So apparently this is the third fastest time ever uh, for the ladies out there. And then coming in like dead in a dead heat after the first loop was Leah Yingling and Ellie Pell. They were 10 seconds apart. And by the time they came back around to the finish, uh, Ellie Pell had gapped her by 15, 16 minutes and so shout out to the Beast Coast representing for them. Uh, Ellie Pell and Leah Yingling uh, was just outside of that golden ticket for this year for this race. So we'll see where she heads next. Um, but both of those first two did accept their golden tickets from what it sounds like. And uh, yeah, they'll be heading to Western States this June. Um, let's see. There were a couple of big names that I think DNF'd on the ladies' side. It sounds like Sarah Beal and Taylor Nolan dropped. Um, Megan Morgan was fourth, and shout-out to Era Viper Racing Team. Brianna Grigsby was fifth in 10-15. Yeah, that's kind of how it played out on the ladies' side. Yeah, definitely sounded like from reports and Instagram posts and things that – the women's race was much, uh, much more clear how it was going to play out at the front end, at least in terms of uh, the winner very early on. Whereas that men's side, there was definitely a bit more uh, back and forth and battling, uh, which is kind of comes with the territory. You know, you uh, you sort of historically have seen at golden ticket races, the women have a bit more resiliency. I suppose you see less just like overall blowups on the women's side than on the men's side uh, for any number of reasons that could be the case. Uh, it sounds like that's how it went down on the men's side, though. Might have been a few uh, major DNFs and uh, folks just having a struggle fest on that second loop just out there taking in the scenery, uh, probably a little bit slower than they originally hoped. So so any insight on what happened on that, that men's side at all? Yeah, for the men, um, we saw... Actually, I need to. I should probably pull up the actual results. I'm sorry, I don't have that immediately here. Because um, I know there was more. I believe more of a shakeup on that one. I'm actually going to try and grab that real quick. But Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Ria uh, was the was the eventual winner there. But I don't think he was up there on the first lap. If I don't, if I recall. I think he he was top three, if I remember the reports correctly. But Bandera is one of those weird races where 
you know, as you were saying, you sort of only have two check-ins and it's when they come through at a halfway point and then they come through the finish line. Um, it makes it very difficult to, to get a timely picture of what's happening uh, on course. It, historically, uh, we've heard that it's just very remote, very difficult, no cell signal out that way. Um, so hopefully with the investments uh, that a lot of these golden ticket races are getting from uh, from their title sponsors, we might find some way to bridge that gap for for Bandera yeah. looking at next year. Um, well, what? I also wonder if we can get back into this like afterwards, but like yeah. do we then tend to like underappreciate or underrank people who get the golden tickets from Bandera because we just don't have as much of a picture of how their race turned out. So by the time we get to Western States, we're like, we don't have, as, it's not as salient because we just like, it's not as the, the story isn't as clear. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Is it is hard. It's hard for me to get the story and sense of what's happening out there. You know, when we have literally yeah. like all we have from the race is like, okay, we have a time from the halfway. We have a time at the end. And then like maybe the next day we've got some finish line photos or something from like them getting, holding their golden tickets up. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to dig on the race, but uh, like no, some, some just... updates from the course, I think there's enough technology today uh, to have alternative to cell reception to at least get text updates out. And th those could be consolidated into a feed they don't necessarily need to be live images or videos, but something that's like whatever aid station, we can radio it or we can, you know, satellite text message it out. Um, I don't know. There's all kinds of creative options where like we can get some, some cool information out, maybe how people are looking, what's happening out there, some eyes on the field. I don't know. Maybe, we'll find a way to Patreon yeah. it, you know? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe, yeah, like, I'd be happy to lend out my Garmin inReach devices to the crew or get some people out there, maybe. So we'll see what we can do next year. Uh, righty. So, Jonathan Rhea, Rhea I'm going to go with that, uh, punched a, punched the ticket. <laughs> uh, 8.10 for the winning time uh, over Tyler Fox. Uh, Tyler Fox was uh, one of the top contenders at Black Canyon last year, I believe, and ran an 8.14 to get the second ticket. Uh, it sounds like, yeah, Tyler was leading after that first one in 3.55, so he faded quite a bit. He ran 3.55 and then 4.20, whereas Jonathan's splits were 4 and 4.09, so a little bit more even split times for him um, but either way they both um, were able to get those tickets and let's see here do, do, do. Uh, Joe McConaughey who was uh, a close to that ticket at Havilene 100 he ran fourth place there was uh, ended up in third place here and missed out on the ticket by just three minutes and I was starting to speculate a little bit on whether we would see him line up at Black Canyon and Canyons. You start to see this sometimes. People, they try and try again until they get that golden ticket. Uh, but he did message me and said his, his pursuit of the ticket is over for this year. So we might be seeing him possibly at Cocodona. 
all rumors at this point, but I think that would okay. be super exciting to see what he could do there. Uh, of course, he did set the Arizona Trail FKT last year. Um, if you haven't seen some of those videos, super good stuff. Um, and we had Rod Farvard and Jimmy Elam in fourth and fifth places. And um, shout out to Adam Mary, who was second after the first lap. I know he's always lining up at the Golden Ticket races um, pretty much every year. Uh, I don't think has connected quite yet, but um, he ended up not finishing this one this time. But I'm sure we'll see him again soon, um, maybe as early as Black Canyon. Uh, so that's kind of the men's race. And both those guys did accept their tickets, both Jonathan and Tyler. So um, I was looking up Jonathan's results on Ultra Sign Up just because I hadn't really heard his name much before. And he's been at it for maybe six, six years now, seven years, something like that. And just he started when he was super young, like 23 years old. He's just been seemingly working his way up. So he's run a lot of the same races year after year. First, you know, he might run like 20th place, and then now he's winning races. It's pretty cool to see that progression, uh, just like continual improvement, and now winning a golden ticket race, and it's going to line up at Western States. Pretty cool to see. I mean, that's, that is that is the storybook sort of arc that we all want to see, right? Like folks just like find their way into – running broadly but especially trail running you're just like i just want to try my hand at this thing and then you see this steady progression you know it's it's the sort of like every man every woman story that a lot of people can get behind to be like oh like if you have the the wherewithal to dedicate yourself to this specific pursuit you can actually see meaningful progress and more in a way that's more than just your own personal like validation and intrinsic motivation so that's awesome uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens at western uh it's a different beast different beast than bandera for sure uh but it'll be it, you know it, it's just gonna be fun to see everybody back uh running on down to auburn hopefully with uh, a more robust international field as well which will be bolstered by some of these golden state rate golden state golden ticket races uh <laughs> abroad yeah so um you know, let's just keep our fingers crossed for travel joys and and filling out the field. A little insight from the Highland Running Club. So they say out at Bandera, no cell service within 50 miles of the course. Um, but they did say getting around the course is fairly easy for the crew. So I'm kind of thinking, like, if I were to design it, I would say you get some of those Garmin inReach devices. You have them every... Let's see, it's a 30K or a 50K loop. So maybe you get one every five miles along the loop and then you just get the, uh, you could send messages to like a central, you know, some central place that is like incoming. They know where these are located at. They can give the bib numbers and the times as they come through. Um, so anyways, that would be my recommendation. We got 363 days to figure it out. Call some people and make it happen. So that's right. Sweet. No, that'll be that'll that'll be helpful if we can advance the plot on that. Get some get some community support to make it happen uh, because this is going to be one of those races that people always key in on. You know, ultras, uh, trail trail ultras sort of get quiet here stateside in November and December, and so it's the chance to really you know come gangbusters after the holidays and. and 
bring about a new year. And as long as it continues to be a golden ticket race, Bandera is going to be one that people continue to flock to. So, so let's make, let's make moves happen. Don Tom's also added, uh, he's impressed with the times. It was misting all morning into the afternoon and it made for some slippery downhills out there. Shoe technology. It's great <laughs> when it works to your benefit, I suppose. Uh, I mean, also mist in Texas. I mean, isn't it just like always some sort of precipitation in the air? It's either like, listen, it's thick from humidity or it's just like actual mist. That's just my take on Every time I've had to go for a run in Texas in the last five years, it's been one of those two scenarios. So your results may vary. Yep. Well, good for them. And uh, yeah, next up for golden tickets, we've got, um, I mean, happening on the same day uh, within hours of each other, we've got the Tarawera 102K uh, down in New Zealand. And then, I don't know, what are we, however many hours difference we are we'll have the uh, black canyon 100k kicking off here in arizona uh, on the 12th as well so 12th of february we've got a double double ticket day yeah i mean what's gotta be 19 hours beforehand 20 hours something like that so yeah yeah I, so, so functionally friday for us here in america when tarware goes off yeah friday afternoon or something like that sweet yep so it's gonna be a fun weekend get excited because we'll be like aggressively on twitter and keeping track of what's happening in oceana and then glued to the live stream for black canyon uh see if we can get some exciting uh finish results like we had last year some people getting kicked down across the rocks there trying to hop through the cattle gate things like that (laughs) If we Never do one forget. thing right, we will open up that <laughs> cattle gate this year and it won't be on the live stream. Or maybe we do it on purpose. <laughs> uh, who's to know? Who's to say? I mean, listen, everybody loves a good steeplechase. So let's just put one at the end of 100K instead of in the middle of a 3K. It's fine. Yeah. Why not? We're doing good things. Cool. Flat time. Run flat. Let's do it. News. Yep. Cool. All right, so uh, let's look at the weekend that was pretty quiet weekend overall. Um, really just two big races uh, on the scene internationally. Uh, you had the Valencia 10K. We've talked about this on the pod before. If a race is happening in Valencia, it's inherently going to be fast. Uh, there's something in the air, in the water. Everything there is technically a net downhill. I don't know how this continues to happen, but alas, here we are. Uh, and so... We have uh, Nora Geruto, uh won on the women's side, and then uh, Daniel uh, Ebeno won on the men's side. It was something absurd. Uh, on the men's side, we had uh, like over a dozen people broke like 28 minutes uh, on a road race. So people are just like gassing it the entire way. Uh, the winner was sub-27. So, uh, you know, blame it on the shoes, blame it on whatever you want. But uh, every every month we have a 10K or 5K performance that just makes you turn your head. Uh, and this was no different. So we'll be back uh, at it this week looking for fast times, except they will be here stateside. More on that in a moment. Uh, but then here in the United States, across the uh, very mushy grass 
we had the USATF cross country national championships down in San Diego. Uh, you had a uh, community 4K just for fun, uh, which fun fact, uh, if you were a triathlon fan, uh, Bob Baggett, Bob, Bob Babbitt, there you go. Bob Babbitt from Breakfast with Bob was out there. He ran it. I literally was like setting my bag down. I looked up, saw him, was like, that's weird. Uh, so cool, cool times for that. Um, had a U20 uh, competition where you had a bunch of uh, high school and like freshman and college kids uh, running around and putting down some times uh, that were quite impressive. On the master side, you just had a bunch of 40-year-olds stunting <laughs> on uh, folks all the way up into their late 80s. Uh, there was actually an entire team of 80-plus men who actually scored and won a team title. Um, so nothing, nothing's more inspirational than seeing uh, a bunch of 80-something-year-olds getting it uh, across the grass. Uh, and then you had the pro race. Uh, well, I guess it's technically the open race because I was also in there. And I'm sure as hell not a pro. Um so both the men and the women covered 10K. The women went first. Uh, pretty much it was billed as a Wayne Kalati versus Alicia Monson battle, uh, as both ladies have been tearing it up over the past year or so. Um, and obviously, Wayne won damn near everything that she entered in the fall and winter campaign until this weekend uh, because Alicia Monson uh, broke away about a little after halfway in the race. Uh, Ritz was running around. Uh, he said, go. She went. Nobody could cover the move. And she won handedly on the women's side, uh, finishing in just over 34 minutes for the 10K course, uh, which was actually closer to like 6.6 miles than it was 6.2. Uh, that's important for me because of, you know, my personal time goals. Uh, but then Winnie Kalati held on for second place, uh, 17 seconds back. And then Emily Enfeld, recently departing uh, Bowerman Track Club, still in the Nike kit, was out there in third. Uh, Emily Durgan from Adidas was fourth. And then Stephanie Bruce, who uh, just days before had announced that this will be her final season as a pro, uh, this whole 2022 campaign, uh, she comes through with a fifth place uh, and a straight-up kick battle with Emily Durgan. It was, it was impressive to watch, um, you know, because they are very different uh, very different running styles come from different backgrounds uh, in terms of their running expertise. And also Stephanie Bruce is like 10 years older than Emily Durgan. And you see them just like hammering down the final hundred meter stretch. So, uh, so shout out to them. Uh, and then Molly Seidel uh, was another name that folks were watching. She came through in eighth place uh, just under 36 minutes for the course uh, in getting into the swing of things. So a lot of these folks are going to be turning their attention to uh either trying to make indoor champs, uh, trying to put down a fast marathon here in the spring, and then ultimately uh, turning their attention to Eugene for world championships in July. Uh, and then on the men's side, uh, here, here I was thinking I might at least be like the top trail runner in the race. Uh, and then I lined up next to Andy Wacker and was like, well, that dream uh, is shot. So uh, so that was, that was a good time. It's also hilarious to watch somebody in S labs on a cross country course. Uh, but Hey, Andy Wacker, shout out, uh, do, do your damn thing. Uh, but, but, uh, the went off and, uh, no surprise. A lot of the guys from the U S army project, uh, took it out fast and held, uh, held it up pretty much the entire race. Uh, ultimately Shadrick 
Kip Chirchir, uh, one on the men's side uh, in 30 minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, very, very tight race coming down the stretch. Um, it was actually a group of five were together with less than a K to go. Um, and if you watch the live stream, it's great because I got to watch how all that unfolded in real time because that was the exact moment that they lapped me. And I'm just like, you. I literally felt the gust of wind go as the five of them passed. And I was just like, okay, do I like drop down to mile pace and try to draft here? It was the funniest thing. Um, but I got to watch so close and that was oddly rewarding and watching it back on TV. Uh, also, also very intriguing. So if you have that USATF TV membership, go ahead and, and, and watch that. Uh, cause you actually get to see this crazy kick finish as well. Uh, Shadrick took down Dylan Maggard, uh, who recently left Hoka is now a quote unquote free agent. Uh, so this is his first race. He was lined up in Nike. So we'll see what that means, uh, for his sponsorship. Uh, outlook going forward. Uh, Sam Chalanga took third, Lenny Career was fourth, and Bernard Keeter was fifth. So you had uh, three of the top five representing the, the Army team. Uh, so, you know, they took the military title as well uh, because this race also doubles as the military national championships. All the armed forces filled the team, and it's quite entertaining. Uh, also of note, got to shout out Ben Blankenship showing up uh, sort of last minute uh, and deciding to hop in and he was a uh, seventh place finisher uh, in 31 37 so uh, just a good time all around uh, great support from the community great support from uh, the media crew even on the gator they just rolling by and like even if you're getting lapped they're just like good job keep going uh, so war warmed my heart because i was like man this gator is sitting in front of me for a really long time these guys are not passing me and i just i'm like yeah, cool, cool, cool. This is great. But they were, they were supportive. So shout out to them. Shout out to the organizers. Uh, if you could figure out a way to cut off that extra quarter mile we had to run, probably would thank you for that. But other than that, uh, it was a good time. And so uh, prize money and points to the top 10 individuals there. And they'll continue on for the rest of the USATF running circuit, most of which is on the roads uh, until eventually we find ourselves back in cross country in December in san francisco for club championships boom that happened cool this weekend's gonna be fun though houston half houston full marathon let's jump into it real quick i'll give you the quick and dirty preview and then we'll talk about fkts of the year so if you're looking for something fun to check out uh you know what this is going to be the event for you uh the fastest women's half marathon uh, ever run on U.S. soil was at Houston. Uh, and basically, this is the first real race that folks can use as their Olympic trials qualifier for the marathon because that window opened on January 1st for the 2024 cycle. So expect a lot of people to come tear it up this weekend. Uh, and again, you can use either the half marathon or the full marathon as qualifiers so long as you hit the time standard. So on the marathon side, for men, uh, some folks to watch out for um, just overall. Uh, you got uh, Gezahane Geza uh, from Ethiopia, Langat from, from Kenya, uh, and Kenta Uchida from Japan uh, all come in with the fastest PRs. Uh, but who I'm super excited to see uh, how they throw down is going to be uh, Augustus Mayo. Uh, he is a 210 marathoner uh, here in the United States. Uh, and also Frank Lara 
who we've talked about a lot recently, uh, the ultra-sponsored athlete running out of the Roots Running Project in Boulder. Uh, he's making his marathon debut uh, just a few months after targeting the half marathon American record and missing it by uh, a few minutes there. So uh, that men's marathon going to be quite entertaining uh, for everyone. Uh, on the women's side, uh, you've got Kira D'Amato is going to be uh, one to watch. Uh, all of the top women entered have basically 222, 223 type times. Uh, so so Kira is going to be right up there with uh, Besa and Degefa um, from both of them from Ethiopia. So, so look out for that. Uh, and then Alice Wright, the former New Mexico athlete uh, representing Great Britain, is going to be making her debut as well. Uh, and then on the half marathon side, it's just bananas. You have uh, John Ranieri, Harvey Nelson, Matt Lano, Colin McCow, Reed Buchanan, Rory Linkletter, Reed Fisher, uh, Sydney Gittabadai, Scott Fobble, Ben Flanagan, B.S. Mbasa, John Tressel. Uh, it, you have so many people. This It's going to be like 25 deep uh, coming through 10K in like 27, 28, 29 minutes. And then just like watching shenanigans happen from there. So it's going to be super entertaining. And the women's side is pretty much just as deep, including uh, Emily Durgan, who just took third uh, at USATF Cross. Uh, you've got Sarah Bagano, Sarah Hall's in the mix, Dom Scott, uh, Paige Stoner, uh, Maya Wagle, Fiona O'Keefe. It dude's going to be just nuts. So if you're looking for fast road stuff, check out what's going down in Houston this weekend. Uh, and it's just going to be going to be a grand old time on Saturday. So Sunday, Sunday, yes, the 16th. It'll be Sunday. Um, so yeah, after after you get your fix of your uh, long run for the weekend, sit down and watch some people just go absolutely ham on the roads. Cool, that's it. That's Run Flat News in a nutshell. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, needs, or emotions, put them in the chat. Otherwise, buddy, we got to talk about uh, FKTs of the year. They'll, will they be streaming the Houston Marathon? You know, I don't like following. Um, let's see. Let's go to the page. Normally, this is one of those situations where they like have it on like local news, kind of like how hmm. a Boston or a New York does it. Um, let's see. It doesn't necessarily look like it, but. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a uh, like a live stream on their website. But if I find the specifics. Um, or what local TV station will have it. I'll be sure to drop it in the Discord uh, and so folks can follow along Sunday morning. All right. Anthony Firmness in the chat is asking, what was your time? Good question. So official finishing time. What, what is the official finishing time? Um, <laughs> I broke 40. There came a point like I'm doing just math in my head. Like, okay, I was on pace through the first lap. Then the second lap, I was like, man, this hurts. And then I was like, oh, this is just real bad now. It's got, it got real dark there um, for a while. And so the goals going in were PR and don't get lapped. Definitely got lapped. Uh, I was about a little over 7K. They were just over 9K when that happened. But, hey, I can't control that. I can only control my race. And then it was trying to PR. And then when the course is, you know, 0.38 long, uh, you know, you basically have to go back and look. So officially – I crossed the line in 3948 uh, for the 6. I think 56, 6.57 miles. Uh, and then if you like go through Strava and look, I came through 10K in about like 37, 
35 to 37.40, depending on where you market, uh, which would have been right on PR pace uh, or just under. So, hey, all things considered for um, for a course that had all sorts of stupidity. Uh, I mean, as cross country is supposed to, but uh, the descriptions and the media reports of it being spongy are very true. Uh, you had a couple sidewalk crossings, uh, which is fun in spikes. I haven't had to do that in 12 years or something, uh, which was fun. Uh, and then it was just like sand. Like there was literally a section where we're just like running through sand, like for no reason. I was like, why <laughs> is this here? Um, I mean, I get it. We're, we're like next to a beach, but like the beach was down there. I, don't, I just didn't understand how all this sand was in this one section. Um, but yeah, no, it was fine. It was a good time. My legs were actually fine. Like all things considered. Uh, it was definitely aerobically uh, just redlined. For so long, for so long, like my average heart rate was 182 for 40 minutes. Like it was absurd. So, uh, yeah, it was fine. Whatever. We got we got the job done. I'm happy uh, with how it went down. It was great to uh, just get out there, try to stay engaged, just try to stay mentally engaged for that long. Um, it's just it's a different pain than like trail running. You can like be out there and like you got to be somewhat honed in like obviously you don't want to be like tripping on rocks and stuff um but like you can kind of space out and enjoy the scenery um and like the the most i got to do that was i was like coming back through uh like the start finish area and i look like just like peripherally peripherally to my right and it's like alicia monson wayne Kalati, molly seidel emily durgan like on a cool down jog just like running past me i'm like oh that's nice like that was the most i got to check out was just to be like look at these pros from different teams like having a good time now get back in because i see the same guy i've been seeing for the last 30 minutes and he's not getting any closer but he's also not getting further away um yeah dude it was it was fun uh and shout out to kyle uh friend of the pod fan of the pod came out uh, because he had heard us talking about it last week and he was showing support uh, and we hung out for a little bit. So, so shout out. Thanks for coming through. Nice. Uh, and being a real one. Mallory Showalter in the chat appreciates that the men's and women's race distances were the same. Now we just need to see it in the NCAA cross country world. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure that conversation is not going to go away. Um, the question will always be, if it were to, if they were to have the same distance, because uh, currently women run 6K, the men run 10K, uh, at least for the national championship, you know, do they meet in the middle at 8K? Does everybody go to 10K? Everybody runs 10K on the track. So is that where you go? It, yeah, it's going to be nuanced. And until a change is made, will always be a topic of conversation. But it was nice to see just like heads up the women uh, running that full distance because they were badasses about it. All right. Well, let's shift the conversation towards the FKT of the year. But before we do that, Ultra Running Magazine, I just saw they dropped today the uh, number 10 Ultra Runners of the Year. So I do want to give them a shout out. If you go see on their Instagram page, uh, Jeff Browning was named the number 10 Ultra Runner of the Year for North America. And for the ladies, it's Addie Bracey. And... I guess stay tuned tomorrow for number nine. I'm kind of assuming they'll go over the next 10 days or so to kind of release these uh, until we find out who our ultra runners of the year are. So that's, that will be something exciting to follow. And as for the FKT of the year, of course, fastest known times are keeping track of those efforts on iconic trails 
and roots that are not races, whether or not they cannot get, we can't get permits for certain areas or just no one's ever done it. That's what these celebrate and track. So shout out to fastest known time. Those guys, Buzz and Peter and everyone who's part of that team uh, do a great job covering that side of the sport throughout the year uh, with all of their content and the, like, just keeping track of all of it. It's really, I think, created just such an awesome part of the sport that is definitely needed. So um, without further ado, they had 51 uh, voters submit their, no I guess, vote on the nominations. And they gave out the top 10 that are in just an alphabetical order for men and women. They'll release uh, some podcasts, it sounds like, with um, the top five men and the top five women over the course of the next couple of weeks. So through the end of January, uh, we'll find out by number what those were. Um, but here we go. So we'll kind of go through this list in the same order they have it listed, and we'll maybe touch base on some of the highlights. So uh, the first one was Addie Bracey and Corey Connor. This is a Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. Um, let's see if I can find some details on that. Um, let's see. Grand Canyon Crossing. I'm sorry. I am clicking through on this here. Uh, unsupported. Okay, so this was a... I guess this was the unsupported version um, of the women's record. So uh, when it comes to FKTs, they have different categories. There's supported and unsupported. So supported means someone met you out there with supplies. So in the case of the double crossing of the Grand Canyon, maybe someone on the North Rim met you with water bottles and Coca-Colas and a sandwich and whatever. Whereas the unsupported means you carry it all with you the whole time. So uh, the overall double crossing record for the women is Taylor Nolan. Uh, this was set a few years ago. It's seven hours, 25 minutes. Uh, and Addie and Corey did it together in eight hours, six minutes. So I'm assuming they didn't support one another either, but we're each unsupported individually. So uh, shout out to them for that. Uh, next up, we have Alex Borsick, the Glacier Peak in Washington. And that looks like it was a technical, really challenging technical route, 31 miles with 10,700 feet of climbing. There's glaciers, crevasses, uh, and she did it solo uh, and pretty quick. So next up is Anna Troop, the Pennon Way in the UK. And this one is 420 kilometers took three days it looks like yeah 260 miles 37.6 thousand feet of gain and a elapsed time of 72 hours 46 minutes 37 seconds yep uh i think one of the highlights they noted this year is that the fkts have truly gone international so what you're going to see in this list is um whereas maybe in years past it's mostly been maybe a north american or a, a usa thing 
We've got records here from New Zealand and Australia, um, the Canary Islands in Spain. So yeah, next up, Erica Laurie in Australia, the Bibbulmun track. And I'm going to click on that, to try and find out what that was. But that looks like it was a one th close to a thousand kilometer walking trail. Uh, it is on the western part of Australia near Perth and 17,500 meters of gain. And it looks like Erica did it in 10 days, 17 hours, which smashed all other records of any kind from men or women. So took uh, like five, almost five days off the women's record and took almost an entire day off the men's supported record. Uh, so that's huge. Uh, Lindsay Webster, the presidential traverse in New Hampshire. So the White Mountains of New Hampshire is some of the most challenging terrain uh, in the U.S. And Lindsay went up there and took... the. See, these records have gotten kind of like iteratively better over time. So just knocked... A minute, two minutes off of the record uh, in four hours and 33 minutes. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of getting dialed in. Um, the men's record is 338 held by Jack Quenzy, Quenzel. And Lucy Bartholomew, the Lara Pinta Trail, uh, also in Australia. And this is... There was a film made about this, I'm fairly certain, and she did this in two days, six hours, which did best the previous, uh, let me see, the previous record was two days, 12 hours. Um, the men's record is one day, 16 hours, but this is 223 kilometers, it looks like, point-to-point uh, -point trail. And that's that one. Let's back it up here. Uh, Michaela Osler, who set the Colorado Trail record, I believe, two years ago, uh, just set the long trail record in Vermont. And Nika Myers broke the Colorado Trail record. And it sounds like Nika had the long trail FKT. So they flip-flopped each other's records, Michaela and Nika, which I think is pretty cool. You know, those are both... I would say comparable records to shoot for. Um, one, the long trail is, I think, 273 miles. The Colorado Trail is about 500 miles. So it's kind of that, it's not quite as long as, say, the Arizona Trail and certainly not the PCT or the AT, um, but ones that you can get done in you know less than a week's time uh, and super iconic, of course. And then... Let's see, the Ruta 040 in the Canary Islands by Ragna DeBots. Uh, I'm going to have to click on this one because I don't know anything about it. Uh, I mean, this one was a late entrant, too, because just I think happen? she did this like mid-December. Yeah, 1219, so it probably just barely snuck in there, and it was a self-supported record which beat emily forsberg's supported record by five minutes um and this is a 
53 kilometer route. It looks like you go up Pico de Tide and back down again along the same route. So you're basically climbing uh, to the top of one of these islands all the way to the top of the summit of this volcanic island um, and all the way back down again. There we go. So those are the women's. Uh, of course, like we talked about last week with the Ultra Runners of the Year, sometimes this is like comparing oranges to apples to bananas to pineapples. You know, we've got uh, a 50K route that takes uh, four hours. We've also got uh, records that take many days and sometimes even weeks that are on these lists. So it's it could definitely be tough to... Um, figure out and rank these. Um, but for, for all those voters, we appreciate them taking the time to do that. And, uh, let's move on to the men's, unless you have any commentary on these women's records. I mean, I think the, what'll be interesting to see is what you alluded to earlier around the fact that these are a lot more international than historically has been the case. Will the voters wait domestic or much more better known international routes i'm thinking like pin and way will they rate those inherently higher than they would this uh you know ragna's run in the canary islands just because most folks haven't been up and down that mountain i will i'll be interested to see if there's uh some sort of overlap or or trend that we see within that but all things considered, this is a pretty stout body of work. Uh, some premier routes that are run very often, making the list per usual, but then definitely some uh, some more technical elements and just new things that folks might now be booking vacations for so that they can go take some, some cracks at these. Yep, definitely. All right, let's move on to the men. So uh, it was a big year for the long trail. Um, the long trail is... I would say definitely one of the top FKTs in the country. And like we were saying before, it's 273 miles with 66,000 feet of climbing and some of the toughest terrain, I would say, in the U.S., especially that northern part of the trail. And it's interesting. I didn't know this, but this is something to note. Um, they call this a premier route on their site. And so there are guidelines for a premier route. So if some of you listeners out there are thinking about going after some of these FKTs, make sure you do read the rules before you go to all the effort and expense of trying for one of these. Uh, in order to be officially uh, accepted as having the record, you must follow some of these guidelines. So uh, as far as the premier route goes, you must announce your attempt in advance. You must track your attempt diligently. Live tracking is recommended. And, um, it seems like, yeah, the long trail has a, it does do well with the voters for the, uh, the, the awards they say. So Ben Feinson, never heard of Ben before, pardon me, but he broke, uh, Jonathan Basham's supported record, which has held since 2009. Uh, of course, Jonathan Basham is a Barkley Marathons finisher. Uh, who held it before him? Ted Cave Dog Kaiser, also a Barkley Marathons finisher. Uh, and who has the self-supported record? 
Joe McConaughey. So uh, some really great company. Oh, and I got to shout out unsupported record, Jeff Garmeyer. Uh, so stout company, Travis Wildeboer, also a Barkley finisher, used to have the unsupported record. I'm just going to keep dropping the Barkley hints here. But Ben Feinson, he knocked one hour and two minutes off of the long trail record this past summer in July. Uh, he was supported. So shout out to him on that one. And I will, I do have to note, I didn't mention the time that Michaela ran. And of course she did it unsupported. So didn't break the supported record, but she knocked just seven minutes off of Nika Meyer's time over six and a half days. It came down to seven minutes. <laughs> Man, I have to like <laughs> kick at the end of an FKT. Like that's just, uh, it's so, it's so brutal, but hey, got the job done. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, we also had an FKT here on the presidential traverse for the men. So Jack Quincy, um, yeah, he says here, one of the hardest efforts that he's ever done. And he knocked um, four minutes off of Jordan Field's best record. And this one has been attacked a lot lately. So you've seen in the past decade, it's gone from four hours, 59 minutes to three hours and 38 minutes, which is incredible. Um all of the efforts here are unsupported for this one. Uh, those I do have to say those are the southbound records. Is that what we're talking about here? Uh, next up, we've got uh, Jason Hardrath, Washington Bulgars. What are the Washington Bulgars, you might ask? Well, I mean, it sounds like a sports team, just so we're all clear. Okay. It is... Uh, the set of the hundred highest peak, hundred highest mountains in Washington. It is the premier peak bagging objective in the Pacific Northwest. So we're talking about uh, at the tip of the top, Mount Rainier, fourteen thousand four hundred eleven feet. And then if you do a hundred mountains, the lowest one that you will have to summit is eight thousand three hundred twenty foot tall Tupshin Peak. And there's a whole list of these things. They are scattered all across the state of Washington. It looks like the majority of them are in the northern uh, parts of the state. So kind of, uh, I guess, I don't know my Washington geography very well, okay? But um, it's the northern part. Let's just go with that. Uh, and Jason Hardrath did this in 50 days and 23 hours. The previous record was 410 days. So these are a different style of FKT. So just like we were mm -hmm. saying, there's uh, you can have an FKT that is just, a you go up and down one summit. Uh, FKT could be an entire hiking trail or walking path. And then you've got these special types where you're bagging a certain number of peaks, the 100 tallest in this case. It might be all of the 14ers in Colorado. It might be the 40 peaks above 4,000 feet in New Hampshire, like whatever it is. Um, 
it's a very it's a niche part of a niche sport yeah it's so having now pulled up the map for this um you are correct there is a lot in the northern washington range uh sort of east of bellingham east of everett in that what north cascades and what okanagan wenatchee i think uh We'll take credit for for a bunch of these, but it's rude because there's also like five that are just like not up there. <laughs> and the fact that you still have to, uh, this entire thing is done on foot, if I understand correctly. Uh, so you still have to like knock out those five that are just like scattered around uh, like Yakima and like almost the Oregon border and then get your way up there uh, and bushwhack like crazy to all those other peaks is uh, absolutely insane. So, so this was apparently roughly 870 miles with 412,000 feet of gain in under 51 days. So that's, yeah, not even like two months time. Um, yeah. So it's like a great summer project, maybe more than just that. I, that's like an understatement. Um, there's a great com- <laughs> that's a life project. There's a great comment here from someone that says uh, only four of the 100 have trails to the top. So you're just straight up bushwhacking up these. Um, uh, They're talking about fourth and fifth class terrain, route finding, multi-day deep backcountry pushes, coordinating three different boat rides to gain access to certain peaks. Um, Wow. It sounds like a lifetime of adventures in 51 days. Pretty incredible. Yeah, that's, this is absolutely insane. Um, I think automatically is going to jump pretty high up there. Um, although we know my personal feelings from last year around things that are just ridiculous athletic accomplishments might not necessarily be, uh, might not garner the same respect. Thinking about that Pikes Peak uh, annual record ascent. Uh, but yeah, this is also just like logistically nuts. Uh, so shout out to like anybody who helped this record come to be because this, I mean, obviously Jason had to do the work himself on foot, but that takes a team that takes some folks who are like invested in your success to pull that off. So that's, uh, that's impressive. It's impressive across the board. A little more about Jason. It sounds like this was his 100th FKT project that he's done. And he wanted to prove and redefine the Bulgars list that it, it's possible to be done in a season. Whereas I think most who've done it, as we saw before, take like, a year or more, maybe two seasons worth of this, probably like two full summers, uh, spring, summer, fall, maybe two of them to get this done. Um, pretty impressive. Uh, it, it sounds like there's a lot of rock climbing involved, glacier skills. This is pretty impressive, <laughs> I will have to say. Like I'm, I'm pretty overwhelmed, and it sounds like there will be a documentary released around this project, so... Yeah, go to jasonhardrath.com, bookmark it, follow him, and uh, that should be a, a good one to get your, your juices flowing for some peak bagging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Joe Stringbean McConaughey's Arizona Trail FKT. This was incredible to watch unfold this spring. Uh, he did this in 13 days, three hours. He was on pace at one point, I think, to do it in 10 or 11 days. But he hit some heinous snow on the north rim of Grand Canyon. 
uh, and at one point quit the trail and was like, went to a hotel and said, I'm done and got convinced to go back out uh, and finish it and post hole through unknown miles of deep snow uh, on the North Rim up towards the, the Utah border there. So uh, there are some great videos on, oh, what is the YouTube channel? I'm going to click on it here. Pilot, whoa, 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 whoa. pilot field. We're, we're, what? Okay. Now we're, we're hyping up other YouTubes. All right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Pilot field YouTube channel. That's where you can find the Joe McConaughey, uh, Arizona FKT project. We are, we are doing that. All right. Uh, pen and way again. Uh, this one, John Kelly, he did it in two days, 10 hours, four minutes taking, uh, over three hours off of the previous best held by Damian Hall. He previously set this record last summer, so he's just getting it back. Is he still living out that way? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's still up there. Uh, okay, another ridiculous record uh, over in Europe now <laughs> from Carol Saab. Uh, via Alpina, this is, um, a trail and I'm going to click on it to learn more. Oh my gosh, this is nuts. So <laughs> it goes through all Alpine countries and it's 20, 2,496 kilometers long. So we're talking Slovenia, Italy, Austria, Germany, Liechtenstein, Switzerland, France, and Monaco. You're doing a huge horseshoe shape across the entire Alps. This has got to be probably like the coolest trail idea ever and probably the most beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those moments where you realize how just absurd America is that this trail is billed as the European counterpart for the AT or the PCT. And it goes through eight countries and we're like, ah, it's going to go through like three States. You know, it's, it's, it's absurd, but yeah, 1600 plus miles and over 100 miles of elevation change throughout the entire, uh, entire trail. Uh, it's no joke. It is absolutely no joke. Uh, and this is just another monster performance uh, supported as one would expect from a 30 day effort with that much sort of absurdity, but these photos and uh, just scrubbing through the video because uh, apparently there's a documentary for this too, as there should be because of how beautiful this is uh, looks absolutely stunning. Is the documentary out? Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. So how did actually... I, how did I miss this? I'm glad we're doing so this you... because this is uh, <laughs> this is really opening up my eyes to what's, what's going on out there. Yeah, so it's actually from uh, from on. Uh, hey, don't the, shout out other YouTube channels, okay? <laughs> uh, I mean, they're a shoe brand. Okay, uh, okay. So, holler at us. Uh, but yeah, no, they they put together what looks like a 45-minute uh, oh, documentary man. on right. this. And so if you are stuck in those cold temperature uh, or snowy environments and you're looking to, you know, watch something on the treadmill, this might need to be up there on your list. Uh, you can catch the link. We'll, we'll drop a link to make it easier for you, or you can find it in the FKT report. 
or just uh, search Solace uh, from on on YouTube. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, wow. Next up, uh, wow. I'm so glad that we're going through this because <laughs> I'm learning so much. I all this just without outhouse news happening regularly. I feel like we're all missing out on this possibly. So the Colorado 14ers record went down apparently. Um, let's see, maybe. Yes, because which is insane. Because at face value, uh, like when I first looked at the list, I was like, oh, this has to be the obvious winner. Uh, for for all the the top ten that are listed, but then we just walked through two absolutely insane, you know, thirty to fifty day adventures, and this is yet another forty uh, three day adventure to take down all of the fourteeners in Colorado, self powered. Uh, okay, so this I is mean, this. I'm trying to. There's so many different ways people <laughs> do these records, so it sounds like just on foot the entire time on. F- so this is the on foot record the whole way, but whereas, because Joe Grant, oh my gosh, okay, I've got to dig into this. Joe Grant holds the self supported record, but the multi sport. So he biked between, biked. whereas mm-hmm. Powell Zafruga, he walked between them all. So that took him longer than Joe and longer than Justin, who both did the multi-sport, but it is, it is a record. Um, Of course, no one has come close to Andrew Hamilton's insanity from 2003, where he did it supported self-powered in 19 days, 10 hours. Right. Nuts. And then he did it supported in nine days, 21 hours. I just can't even. But this is, yeah, this, as a record, this is absurd. Uh, it's almost 1,200 miles total and just under 300,000 feet of gain. Plus, you know, again, these are 14ers. So you're getting above 14,000 feet of elevation with every single one of these. And getting back down, right? So it's not just like, hey, I've like had to go up. This isn't uh, this is the vert is real category, right? You actually have to like do the down the do the sense as well, coming from these high elevations back down to you know as low as seven, eight thousand feet, you know, on one mountain, and then move over and go up another one of the collegiate peaks. Or so something, he walked. A few miles he up. walked between every single one of these. Yeah. Correct. That's that's where it is. Jesus. Well, he said, hit the quote, maybe ran for like a total of three miles. No hitches for resupply. Just all just grinding it out on foot. Forrest Gump style. Started at the trailhead for a bar for Pike's Peak just before 4 p.m. on July 14th and finished at the trailhead for the Keyhole Route for Long's Peak on August 26th before 11 p.m. All 58 Colorado 14ers, no outside support, all walking, well, maybe ran three miles, no hitches for resupply, spent three nights in hotels in Telluride and then two nights in Aspen, else slept in a bivy, ate like a pig in every town I could. Wow. Go to at Projects of Science on Instagram for photos. Wow. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it's also like, listen, Colorado, not cold in the summer either. So even when you're like grinding between mountains, you could still be 80, 90 something degrees, even at those elevations. So, you know, it's, it's wearing on you, even when you're not in the actual process of climbing. I like the Instagram. It's just, it's basically like a photo album. There's like no descriptions of what it is, but there's like a lot of great photos. So very cool. All right. We're losing a little steam here. Let's get it back on track. Uh, We've got Peter Restorp uh, here in the top 10 for the uh, Chamonix-Zermatt Hotte route. And this is something that took him 20 hours and 26 minutes. The most famous glacier route in the Alps. Uh, and it connects these two mountain capitals by high altitude trails and glacial crossings. And so there are some different routes. It seems like it's hasn't been done super often. Um, and that's something to consider in, in voting for these FKTs, I think, is like how many people have attempted these. But sometimes you're a pioneer and you're just the beginning of something. So mm-hmm. uh, this was an unsupported record. It's also the fastest anyone's ever done it, supported or not. Uh, Iker Carrera did. Uh, looks like he helped establish this in 2012 doing it in 21 hours and 20 minutes and peter did 20 hours and 26 minutes again another what looks like beautiful route uh mm-hmm. in the alps okay we've got uh sean o'rourke with the wyoming 13ers and so this is again it's going to be a bunch of class four class five scrambling glacial travel and do we know how many there are 36 peaks and this was wow okay so this was a self-supported record and it smashed the supported record so this is probably an up-and-coming one eight days 22 hours previous best was 16 days 17 hours And it looks like a bunch of these are located in, is that the Wind River Range? I'm going to call it that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. The Northern Winds. Yeah, a good grip of them there. And then there's some random ones. There's like one over near the Tetons. Um, of, well, Grand Teton itself. Hello. <laughs> Uh, then there's one looks like maybe on the eastern part of Yellowstone and a couple more over in the Bighorn National Forest. So, mm-hmm. And then, of course, saving uh, Timothy Olson, not the least for last, Pacific Crest Trail FKT. That's a huge one. Uh, besting... Carl Carl Saab's record by looks like I can't do math right now. Sixteen hours, fifty-one days, sixteen hours, fifty-five minutes. Timothy Olson, incredible. That's all Which I got. In any year, you'd be like, yeah, no, that's a not a shoe in. Like clearly an auto top three. And now looking at this list of top ten, you're like, I don't even know because. <laughs> Like, I mean, the, 
a P- when the PCT falls, it's pretty legendary. But yeah, there's also the Long Trail, and there's also all these other ones. So yeah, pretty insane. And again, this is going to be one of those conversations around what is just like absurd human feet versus like well-established, well-known, just inherently more vibrant in people's minds. Like they've done parts of the PCT. They know somebody's done the PCT, whatever. Right. Um, you know, versus the Via Alpina. Right. And you're like, all right, cool. Like I know UTMB, so it's kind of the same thing. It's like, well, no. Uh, yeah. And, and it's apples and oranges. But it, it's also very interesting that a lot of these men's records are just like straight up month to two month endeavors. Uh, not a lot of 50Ks and, and real short efforts making it on the list this year. Uh, you know, we'll see, I'm sure with races coming back, some folks might turn their attention to shorter FKTs in 22 and 23 because they have other places to exercise uh, some of their competitive juices. But we also see these FKT specialists that are out here just sniping. Uh, I mean, what Jason, you said that oh, Washington yeah. was his 100th FKT. So who knows? Is Are we going to see the specialists dominate? Are we going to see more routes become established enough that they're going to see regular attempts are we broadening the portfolio of uh places that we're going to see some fkt assaults one can only hope let's diversify uh and maybe support a bunch of random small businesses along the routes when you eat like a pig uh, and are walking between all of these mountain ranges apparently so i'd be very intrigued about what the voters ultimately chose i dude they're so absurd like they're so absurd like I, like on face value like there are three of those I would be like, listen, there's no chance in hell I would even try to attempt it. And how, how do you choose one of those to be FKT? It's just like a bad beat for everyone else on the list where they're like, and I could normally have been an easy top five. And now I might limp in at nine or 10 and not even be memorable. And what was a very weird year. So time will tell. Yep. Yeah. Jason Hadrath. You just go through, you can actually click on his name on fastest known time. And it's, yeah, it's impressive what he's done over the last couple of years. So 2018 is when he started doing these and he's hit up a lot of the big ones. He's gone after, he's had to re uh, earn back some of these that have gone to other people like Mount Shasta. He seems to be doing that one a lot. Um, anyways. We could probably talk about FKTs forever, so we might want to. Really good. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> have to see. We'll have to see how what let's to see how the voters play it out and kind of circle back maybe at the end of the month and we can see what uh, got top honors. Yeah, um, and I think if there's a lesson here for the rest of us who aren't out there crushing all these FKTs, uh, you better go find some Strava segments. I think that's going to be like the theme of 2022. Just like, let's go Strava segment hunting. Let's get weird. And, uh, you know, just be a local legend. If you don't have the wheels for that sort of thing, just go crush that segment over and over and over. Don't be that person who makes like a generic 0.1 mile segment. That's just near your house. No, make it, make it a true, like good battle tested segment. Uh, I mean, hell that's kind of, what chase the throne is, I guess, to some degree, it's like, here's a segment. Everybody goes assaulted at the same time. It's just a bracket style, uh, situation, but, uh, those are all still Strava segments. That's how they measure it. So that's it. This, this, that's everyone's homework this week. Find a local Strava segment 
Or if you're like, hey, I'm going on vacation somewhere, you find that Strava segment, you're like, hey, like, I, that's my mission this year is to dominate and move up the board. Uh, at least roll up on the this year leaderboard if you can't hit the all-time one and see what see what you can make it happen. Get find, up on that leaderboard. Yep. Make it work. Sweet. Well, let's open it up. If we got any questions in the chat room, uh, please jump on in. Was there anything else we wanted to cover uh, this week that we missed? Probably forgetting something. Uh, always. Uh, the one thing I forgot is Nick Willis. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. He was doing his 20-year streak or attempting to create a 20-year streak uh, of sub four miles. The 38-year-old uh, ran a New Year's Eve mile just after the stroke of midnight. Uh, he ran four flat point two two in a crowdless armory. Originally, it was going to be like this whole thing. There's going to be like, yeah, it's the armory. So it was just going to be packed with fans. But, you know, then Omicron was the thing. So they they took all the fans away, but he still had Hobbs, Kessler, and, uh, and Mason Furlick out there helping helping get the pace job done. Just missed it. But when it's your rust buster race with no fans, like if he'd have broke it there, then that would have actually been even more surprising. So looking forward to see what he does here in the next couple of months uh, to gear up. But there was like a short uh, documentary that Tracksmith put out. So you can watch that if you're looking for a little bit of motivation to get out the door. Uh, But Nikki Dub, just father, professional, Good, good overall guy. Uh, we had a quick shout out. One of the FKTs that didn't make this list, but one of the biggest in Canada fell this year. The Bruce Trail at 600 miles was set by Karen Holland. And it was the overall FKT under nine days. And she is running Western States this year. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, if you guys have any other questions, drop them in the chat now. Uh, we'll get to him. Buckeye Jen is hoping that Carl can make it back to Barkley this year. I hope so as well. I know um, there there might be some rumors that it it's going to be a lot of internationals in the field this year. So hopefully those that couldn't make it last year can make it over this year. We'll kind of have to see how that plays out this spring. It's going to be lit. <laughs> oh man so a little uh, quiet man. in the chat tonight but that's all right that's what happens on mondays yeah, yeah people Pete, on that grind totally caught like, off oh. guard yeah what we do hey but we've made sure that we gave the people what they needed this week um obviously it's going to be a busy weekend ahead um but this is also this is where people start falling off those new year's resolutions already Right. They're like, oh, I had my fitness goal. Oh, whatever. This is the week where things start to fall apart. So we did our due diligence to make sure that we got the pot out. We're back to consistency, baby. Love it. Um, but also got to make sure that we're giving the people what they need in their ears so they can stay grinding so that, uh, you know, we do better than the average folks uh, who do New Year's resolutions. And if you don't do New Year's resolutions, I want those. Just stay grinding. All right. Let's just get weird. All right. Let's do some weird Long runs this week. Get a workout in. Do some intensity. Oh, I want to smile. Whatever. I wanted to say this on the pod. We talked about this before the show started, but Alexi Pappas jumped into the Avalon 50K on Catalina Island and took the win in 421. Is this, are we going to see her, you think, like 
make a real go at the ultra thing? Is this just a one-off thing? What do you what are you feeling on this? You think she's gonna, you know, try and get a golden ticket, run Western States? Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're gonna see golden ticket attempts yet. But uh, there is this interesting streak from ultra sponsored athletes, uh, Lexi being the latest. But you had Alyssa Montano. Uh, doing the uh, with the twenty six k down at Broken, Broken Arrow. Arrow. Well, eleven eleven k eleven k over Broken Arrow. So like we're yeah. seeing, it, I I don't know if it's like in their contracts or what have you. They're like they just have more space to play. It's not the same cycle of hey, like go to these major marathons, do these specific track events, and like rack up appearance fees like maybe there's a bit more a bit more leeway that they have so hopefully we'll see this is a more regular occurrence Um, i don't think it'll be a full-time thing Um, but then again she competes for greece so the standard to make the world team or lexi specifically to make the world team or to make the olympic team in 24 might not be as competitive so she might be able to play around uh on the trails and in the ultra space a little bit more and then be able to ratchet down to hit the a standard still and not have to have a aggressive pathway uh to make the olympic team for greece we'll see we'll see i don't know but time will tell i'm excited about it hey it's another bay area native uh taking the trail scene so if she wants to come back home you know she went to high school, literally, like right next to Redwood Regional Park. Like <laughs> those should be very familiar to her. Uh, she can come through and, and run some of the races up here. Nice. All right. Well, I think that's about all we got for this week. So, um, cool. yeah. Thank you all Sir, for tuning uh, in. Thank you for catching up, you. and uh, we'll see yeah. you this weekend. As you, uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I will see you in person yeah. this weekend. I will be back in the valley. We'll we'll get weird. Um, maybe this time we'll actually go meet people and we'll put it in the discord, you know, hopefully we can carve out a little bit more free time, but sounds great. Holiday weekend. Our people call your, call your people. Thank you for tuning in. If you were in the live chat, thanks for joining us. If you want to be notified when the live chats happen, when this pops up on YouTube, make sure you like the mountain outpost channel, hit that subscribe button, hit the little bell next to it. You'll get the push notification or continue to listen to us on the podcast of choice on the steep life media enterprise check it out we got good stuff from us we got that conversation that jamil had with nick around the 24 or the 12 hour record we're doing all types of cool stuff and more things are coming down the pipeline so get excited baby 2022 it's off to a raging start let's keep the momentum going he's been jam jam i've been skizzle fresh this has been a podcast and we'll catch you guys later deuces